1: this podcast forum is brought to you to share expertise and insights within our integrated delivery system to help us improve the health of the people we serve and achieve world-class accessible care this is expert insights
2: this is expert insights with the carl foundation hospital and i'm dr david hill today we are talking with three guests starting with Ryan Aldridge, Bachelor of Veterinary Sciences, Master of Science, PhD, member of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons and Diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine. Also, he is serving as Interim Associate Dean for Faculty Affairs at the Carl, Illinois College of Medicine. Additionally, we have Dana L. Gillen, PhD, Master of Education, and current Director of Departmental Operations and Faculty Development at Carl. Finally, We have Dr. Robert Haley, Clinical Professor of Internal Medicine at CARL. Welcome all.
1: Thank you very much. Good to be here. Thank you.
2: So to be a little personally revealing here, I am mid-career in medicine. And when I started, I thought I'm going to go out and practice and be in private practice. And I'm not that interested in academics. I had classmates who were. But honestly, now I am finding myself incredibly drawn to academics. I have a couple of adjunct appointments. I teach students. I give lectures. And I'm like, How cool would it be to actually become full-time faculty? So can you talk about anybody who's interested in getting a faculty appointment? Maybe they're a medical student or a resident or a fellow right now, or perhaps they're a mid-career physician like me who's looking to make a change. What would that look like?
3: This is Bob Healy, and as a clinician myself, I know that I chose To come to Carl because there was a medical school, a different one back then, but a medical school associated with the hospital and clinics and a chance to teach because I find that being around learners stimulates me and helps me to keep up to date. So I share your ideas about maybe first kind of focusing on our own careers, but later on wanting to really help out the next generation.
0: So we want to make sure that we provide that opportunity for folks to become a part of the faculty in Carl, Illinois. And so usually a recommendation for an appointment is initiated by a department head. Dr. Healy is the department head for clinical sciences in Carl, Illinois. But it can also be one of the academic medical directors or a clerkship director. And when that recommendation comes through, those folks who are being considered, they would provide for us within the Department of Office of Faculty Affairs and Development. We would need a narrative statement from them. Generally, it's like about a half a page that provides for us their relevant experience that that candidate is going to bring to the college as a faculty member, give us what they think their proposed role would be, and whoever's providing for them this recommendation would probably give them some information to help them write that, and then give us a CV that's been updated within the last six months, and then that nominator would give us a brief statement that supports that nomination. And that's how we would get started helping them to make that transition into that role of faculty member
2: thank you dr gillen let me pivot to dr aldridge right here so you've got this application that dr gillen has described are there key points that you're looking for are there things that would make you more eager or less eager to accept a candidate
1: I think the the fun thing about Carl, Illinois is that there are multiple opportunities. It's a bit of a different medical school in a lot of ways because the association with the university was started. We're on our second class now, just graduating. And one of our key goals, one of our core values is really innovation. And so within that, we know that innovation comes from sort of a really wide background. So having clinicians come in we're trying to generate physician innovators which is we want them to be good doctors but to have this much broader view on the profession as well so what are the problems within the health system what are the particular needs within the health system anything from gadgets to how do we fix processes as well so By definition, we'd love a wide range of clinicians, a wide range of scientists as part of the school. So I would say be yourself when you're applying. There's not a cookie cutter type of clinician that we're looking for. Be yourself and what can you bring to the school? So what's your particular interest? Obviously, there's teaching, but there's also this opportunity of being involved in the innovation space. And I think a lot of clinicians they're the people who know the problems so being able to identify the problems as well so what's your clinical specialty what's your passion what do you bring to the school but we want it to be a good place to work so also expressing what can be your benefit we want people to be here and to stay here for a while so how can the school benefit you as well so we're looking for those things in the application as well
2: you know, when we think about innovation and the sort of youthful energy that the school has, it also puts me in mind of engineering. And I understand that's sort of a special focus. Maybe, Dr. Healy, you can talk about how engineering is part of the curriculum, part of the focus of Carl.
3: From the beginning, when this was just an idea in a leader's minds here in Champaign-Urbana, the idea was that we have this wonderful, world-renowned engineering school here in Urbana and we have, you know, a lot of healthcare around with the Carl Health System and other groups and other clinicians in town. We have such a strong amount of faculty from other colleges throughout the university as well. But the idea was to base things on innovation and base things on having engineering concepts really infused throughout the curriculum. So whatever we do in the curriculum, we try to have a triad of a scientist, a clinician, and an engineer And all three of those mindsets really helps us to develop the problems that we teach early on in the med school, in problem-based learning cases that we talk about. We don't just talk about heart disease and the pathophysiology of the heart, et cetera, but the engineering mindset looks at it for what it is, which is a pump, and how does the pump function of the heart, from an engineering point of view, what can we do to incorporate that in our learning? So it's really exciting. We've seen a lot of great things come from that kind of three-pronged approach and are excited to see what happens over the years.
1: Yeah. And what's happened as well, Dr. Hill, which is interesting and Dr. is right, the original goal was this engineering. And people do think of devices and gadgets, but actually, as we look at the applicants that have come to the school have been really interesting. When I was involved initially when we were designing the curriculum, and I've, even being a veterinarian, right, cardiology, you mentioned internal medicine crosses different species. And so I thought I understood cardiology. Then when I saw how they're teaching cardiology from this sort of quantitative aspect What's a differential equation to describe blood flow into the heart and blood flow out of the heart? I was like, "What? Well, I've never understood cardiology in this way. But I was amazed to see is the applicants also, they've changed a little bit. They certainly have this quantitative set of skills with them, which a lot of us as older clinicians in the health sciences weren't always familiar with. But we've also seen them wanting to solve other problems, health disparities, for instance, and access to healthcare, which need problem solvers as well. So the innovation started off as, hey, what does engineering look like? But it's really become how do we use a design process in solving problems in some way? And that can cross all kinds of problems as well, not just technological ones, if that makes sense.
2: You know, I'm so glad that you bring up that problem-solving approach, Dr. Aldridge, because the most successful academic clinicians that I've known and researchers have been really interested in a particular problem and just sort of dived into it. And sometimes if you find the right problem, it's fairly easy to become the world expert on it, but just their persistence, maybe Dr. Gillen, you can talk to us about how somebody, once they're on the faculty,
0: demonstrates
2: what they want to study, how they're interested in it, and where they want to go with
0: it. Actually, I am glad that you brought up the research perspective because oftentimes, once folks become clinicians, they feel a little bit displaced from their research, but there is room for researchers within this space. And we have been talking a bit about what happens to folks when they become a clinician and they want to still do research. And within the Carl Illinois College of Medicine community, there is a need for continued research within the clinical space. And so we wanna make sure that we're having that conversation, that while we have this engineering background, while we have this engineering focus, we still need to have clinicians who are doing the research and bringing that to the table because we want to marry those concepts as well. And so when we talk about faculty members and we have these researchers who are doing all of this innovation and it's marvelous, But we also want to make sure that when we are looking at progressing in the clinical space, that we have room for those clinicians whose passion is research and what does that research develop, what's coming from the research that they're doing, and that we have an eye for that. And so we don't want to lose sight. Of that, And so when folks are putting together their statements about wanting an appointment for faculty, we want them to be able to say, hey, this is my passion, that I'm a researcher. Do we have space for that? We absolutely do. And we want to see those people. We know that oftentimes they're a smaller group of folk, but we have room for them too.
1: I think that's a really important point as well, because there's an annual review process as well, and it's an academic medical center as well. So we have the university's sort of promotion requirements to fulfill as well, Dr. Hill. But each person, each year, they would get a review. It could be a high-touch review or a low-touch review, depending how closely they are associated with a medical school how active they are in the medical school but those persons would sit down with a department head for instance with Dr. Healy and then they would set out each year hey here's my plan for the year and I can define the criteria really by which I'll be evaluated. So if I'm going to do a lot of research that will be taken into consideration in my promotion package. If I'm doing a lot of clinics mainly clinics then the clinical elements of my work will be part of my promotion package. So we're really, the schools design this process by which the individuals get evaluated on their strengths, if that makes sense, and as Dr. Gillan said, on their passions and on their interests. You know, I'm so
2: glad that you mentioned promotion there, Dr. Aldridge, because I think especially for young researchers or academic physicians who are looking to join a faculty, it's a natural question, where am I going to go from here? How am I going to advance? Can one of you or all of you talk a little bit about specifically
3: how Carl
2: views the promotion process in the academic setting?
3: I think that one thing to think about is what Dr. Aldridge just finished talking about, which is this concept that there's a lot of different needs for faculty. We've talked about people who have an engineering background. We've talked about people who have that innovative mindset that already do that. And interestingly, some of our applicants to the medical school for our students, they've already gotten patents. They've been in companies and startups. What I want to focus on, though, is that person out there who might be early in their career or mid-career as a clinician wondering, you know, is there room for me? And there is. And what I mean by that is we need people to take a student with them. Our students learn clinical medicine right from the beginning. So every student from the time they start as M1s, they're assigned to a clinician in an office setting in primary care, and they spend an afternoon per week with that clinician. And it's a tremendous opportunity for them to learn the clinical world and what it's like to be a quote-unquote real doctor. Clinicians can do that, and that might be their passion. They might want to be a mentor, be an advisor for that one student for that year We need people like that. So if you don't understand differential equations for flow through the heart, it's okay. We need people to do kind of the basic blocking and tackling, right? About showing people how an office works, showing people that critical communication skills that are needed when you're talking to a patient or a family. So I think... Tying that back to promotions, as Dr. Aldrich said, when you start and after you're here for a few years and go through a few annual reviews, then we know that your interest lies in that area of just teaching one student one-on-one for a while or being more involved in coming up with courses and clerkships or being really innovative and in coming up with new ways to evaluate people or doing research or working with uh, translational research with a lot of our people at the college. So. I think you really define what your pathway will be, and then you're judged on your promotability based on that pathway.
0: It's also important to note that promotion is based on research, teaching, and service. It's not one aspect of what you do. So when Dr. Healy is talking about learning what it is that your passion is, being in the position for a few years, some folks come in and immediately talk about, I've got my appointments, now can we talk about promotion? You really need to put some time in the position. It's not promotion immediately upon Appointment, and so you want to make sure that you're in the position for a little bit, do the research, do the teaching, figure out where you want to put in your service, but also understand DEI efforts, our strengths in the evaluation and promotion process. DEI is going to become mandatory as part of your promotion package in the future and they're a part currently of your evaluation process. And so all of these pieces are elements that you want to pay attention to as a part of your initial appointment because they will play a part in your promotion package.
2: That's really helpful. I would love if each of you could think of one last takeaway for clinicians who are interested in gaining faculty appointments at CARL. Let's see, do you want to start, Dr. Aldrich.
1: I would say we want to have a flourishing faculty environment and based on relationships, professional relationships. And so I really think actually contacting us, speaking to one of us or to other clinicians that are involved already. But I think meeting us will be the best thing so we can sort of answer your particular questions. There is a sort of formal process of application, but I think we just touched on the intricacies and the unique aspects really of Carlin and It's a bit different from other academic medical centers because of the diversity of, we call it the faculty phenotype. There are so many different kinds of faculty in our college, and so I would think contacting us and for us to have a one-on-one meeting would be brilliant.
3: Fantastic. Uh,
2: Dr. Healy, last thoughts?
3: Yeah, I would say don't be worried that you might not fit in. And it's possible you might not. And after talking to us, you find out that, well, that's not really what I was looking for. But more likely is going to be that you'll find a space on our faculty that you'll be interested in and you'll flourish there. I would especially direct my thoughts to that person out there who's a great clinician, but they really haven't been involved yet, reach out to us, talk to us. We could talk to you about what it would take to be on faculty, and it might just be that, that fits with what you want, and your career will be that much better for it.
2: That's great. And final word from Dr. Gillen.
0: Thank you. Nothing happens as quickly as you would think it would. So leave time for the process to unfold. A lot of people think that if I put my package in, Today, in two weeks, I should have an answer. Generally, it takes longer than that. There is a process. There are committees that all of these, whether it's an appointment or promotion that it has to go through, sometimes the committee will meet this month and have to meet next month. So please allow for time. So I want to set an expectation around that. And also be willing to look for people who don't look like you. We need diversity amongst providers, and so we wanna make sure we're diversifying our faculty as well. So let's expand the pool, and let's expand the conversation.
2: Critical mission, and thank you for sharing that. Well, Dr. Brian Aldridge, Dr. Robert Haley and Dr. Dana Gillen, thank you so much for speaking with us today, and I'm excited to see how the faculty and the mission continue to expand at this exciting institution.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
2: For more information and to get connected with one of our providers, please visit carl.org. For a listing of CARL providers
3: and to view CARL-sponsored educational activities, head on over to our website at carlconnect.com.